Hello everyone, welcome to our first podcast in our series, Scenes on Toast, talking about football trading and the game state application and trade on sports for that matter. You join me at Gold Gypsy. Uh, welcome to the show, Johnny Grosmark, fresh from your break in Suffolk. You didn't have to quarantine, did you come in back from there? No. All right, so I want to get straight into this. We talk about Twitter, I mean I'm on there, uh, I, don't, I seem to have quite a few nice followers, I don't get trolled too much. Uh, one or two people I've crossed swords with and I've sort of Bart blocked from, from tipsters that I don't give a toss about anyway, let's be honest. Um, your reputation on Twitter, you are much maligned. What would you say to your critics? Because I think there's understanding there's a frustration with you to get your point across and people not necessarily believing what you're saying is true. Yeah, I think I've been banging on about some of the opening goal data, which started with my blog, Sockdoc, a few years ago. And I did a few thousand blogs about time of the opening goal data. And um, people are just not interested, which is fair enough. But I think it's that the, the data is just not easily accessible. You've got two schools of thought. My analysis is rubbish, but they haven't investigated what my analysis is. Or I get informed that they've been doing what is my analysis for much longer than I have, although they don't have any evidence to show that. And they're just not interested in having conversations mm. with me about the analysis. So I have the ability to bring the analysis to the table because we've got the automated data. So when someone responds and says your uh, analysis is rubbish, I will then ping them on Twitter, the data and analysis, and then I just never hear from them again. That's it. So it's obviously like a closed book. Maybe it's like a religion. That could be an interesting point. <laughs> It, it, it is concerning when I go on Twitter and I see all these tipsters and there's no legislation and stuff. And I genuinely think that we are trying to bring trading to people who are beginners, who may be advanced and struggling a bit. And it's getting that kind of, again, like I said earlier, about change the way you think about trading, you know. Uh, and, and it can be easy when, you, when you've lost a few to get sucked in by the tipsters and things. And also on the same, you know, with the same regard, there's some, there's some nice guys out there on Twitter who I follow. Pete Webb's a great guy. You know, um, I'm, I'm particularly fond of Mike, big man. I think he does a great job. He's, I think he's similar to me, and whereby he just proves everything. Like you, look, we proved it. This is what's going to happen. And I'm just telling you. And I'd like, to, I'd like to get him on the show. So, Mike, if you're listening, big man, um, be nice to have a chat with you. And you can tell us actually how you transformed from uh, soccer to mostly racing these days that would be an interesting chat so let's kick off with the halftime overs alert how does that work uh, the halftime overs alert has triggered just over 1200 games so that's been going for quite a while and it's very simple it's based around the time of the opening goal and halftime game state and it's just looking for a second half goal and the strike rate is 83 point percent uh, not much variance there but the general idea is that we're looking for the goals to come 70 plus minutes and uh, recently they've been coming fairly early in the second half or not not coming coming at all so in recent weeks we've been seeing um, the overspot treading water so we're currently looking at that to see if we need to modify the overspot but it has seen long-term success um overall but of late it has uh, been treading water in truth well, that's that's an interesting point you make because i 
uh, I think the standard sort of uh, rule is that you enter the trade at about 1.6 if it makes 1.6 by 70 minutes to give yourself a chance, you know, of getting that late goal. I play it slightly differently. I uh, drip in at 1.7, a little bit later, uh, 2.3 and 3.0, and I don't have a time restriction on my trade. Um, and I found, yeah, for the first beginning week of this month, I had four four losing trades, one winning trade. And then yesterday I had two winners with the maximum drip. And I find myself just half a point down this month and where some people might be thinking, oh, I'm three or four points down. Uh, when you see it long term on a spreadsheet, uh, it's, it's never far away each month. I mean, it, it usually turns it around and we do see these slope downwards trends and then we see a long, long winning run. What would you say to people who, it's difficult, you know how it is, it's always like for me, if I do something new, it's what I call sod's law, and it seems to lose. And it's hard, you know, mentally, to, to walk into three or four losers, um, you've got to have that mindset where you're thinking, just a trusted alert, because we proof it. Um, the interesting point is that a lot of people uh, join trade on football after the half-time overs bot has had a long winning sequence and then they get get kicked by by a short losing sequence and then leave so obviously that's uh, food for thought i think that i i put out a survey it was just quite surprising there were quite a few votes about do you think a spreadsheet is uh necessary for your trading and i think 33 percent said no if I didn't have a spreadsheet and I wasn't looking at these graphs or looking at my profit and loss, I wouldn't know where I was with it. I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's very important if you're serious about your trading to keep uh, records. So 1,200 games, you know, it's, it's, it's fair. It's, it's reasonable to say that that's a big enough sample rate uh, for it to be showing a profit of plus, plus 63, 65 points, I think now. Yeah, somewhere along those lines. Yeah. So if you're playing half-time overs, you really need to bear in mind that it's a long-term strat over 1,200 games that's profitable. Uh, even if you only played that one strat as, as your trading uh, portfolio. But moving on to other uh, strats, tell me about the time in the opening goal and how you figured them out. So we've got the uh, Labour Draw Bot, which is very popular with some of the members. That's quite simple in its construction as well. QR is interesting to me. Um, I think there's a misconception amongst people that, that it's just a lay the draw trade, whereas it's more of a very high strike rate in, in excess of 90%. And you must uh, have the ability or the sort of bravery, as it were, to lay the draw at a high price, uh, sometimes uh, as high as 3.7, 3.8 and then to calculate cover on 2-2. Two, two. Uh, what's interesting is there are, once you have the goal, uh, whether you let it run and take the 30, 35% profit, or whether you go for a little less profit, 20%, and try and close up the 2-2 two, two with a late goal. So a simple trade, but many ways to play it. Trade out the draw as late as possible. That's the uh, attraction in terms of the strategy. Yeah, because you mentioned, are you talking about when we have a, say we have a 2-1 situation and it's the 85th minute plus uh, and you could probably back the draw uh, quite cheaply 
uh, and take a more favourable position on the draw, leaving a small profit on the current result. Uh, but also your 2-2 backing uh, diminishes from that as well if it doesn't come in. However, if you land the draw and it goes 2-2, uh, then it's what you call a double bubble. I personally prefer to take the profit every time. Um, I wish I'd done it the other night, though, um, against the Romanian game with a last gasp goal to make it 2-2. So many ways to play it. And again, I think that's there's some confusion over uh, the best way to play it. But it's, it's very much up to you. But the, the, the number one rule would be, uh, as soon as the goal is scored, lay the draw. 100%. Well, thanks for clarifying that one. Um, so for all the guys out there who have got that question about how do we play the QR, uh, Johnny does send out messages and instructions on the uh, Telegram chats. But the, the, the overall thinking is to lay the draw straight away and, and make sure, just roughly about 20% of your... Um, uh, stake uh, say if you were playing £10 point you'd have a £2 stake on 2-2 two, two, uh, which would give you enough uh, or set about the same amount as long as you backed it above sevens right yes yeah so or you could just cover the draw you know cheaper and, and hope, not hope for 2-2 two, two and finish your scratch so an interesting one I think um, we'll probably probably need to tweet a bit more about that and show some examples uh, at some point moving on I just I think some people will need clarification about the difference of what the uh, or trade on sports game state application is as opposed to your your normal trading. We won't mention other companies' names, but they all seem to say uh, follow the same uh, suit, which is looking for teams that have regularly a regular occurrence of going overs, a regular occurrence of first half goal, and so on and so forth, and that being above eighty percent now. What attracted me to GameState application was it is a completely different way of looking at stats. Uh, it looks at them historically. Uh, and it's, it's, you need to forget everything you ever kind of learn about trading, I thought, when you take this on. Because you, my first impression of it was, OK, I've got a lot of database here from historical matches in history in this league. Does it really work out like this? It's almost like lightning strikes twice. You know, in this situation, when a goal has been scored here and there's a goal been scored there, 90% or 100% have gone over, 2.5, 3.5 and so on. And it works. You know, I base my trading route around 90% and above. And one of the most interesting things about this is, it's not to be confused with head-to-head, and if you have a big enough sample rate of a league and how a goal in that match affects that match in that league over time, then when the bigger, bigger the sample rate, the more accurate it is. And in particular, I do want to touch on one thing here, Johnny, which is SVA. SVA seems to be a newish trade that's come out and is doing spectacularly. Do you want to just talk, tell us about that and, and talk about how that works? Because I, I've found it a little bit hard to do because I think surely the favourite's going to come back here, but often as we've seen, that they don't. So SVA in basic terms is the role of survival analysis in football. So if we take the example at the weekend, Birmingham were at home to Brentford. Birmingham were winning 1-0 at half-time, so we've got them plus one goal. Brentford 
are minus one goal. Now, if you just look in basic terms at Brentford's historical data when they've been losing 1-0 half-time in the championship away, they have got the most chronic record, um, I think, in the last 40, roughly, or so. I'm, I haven't checked. Um, I'm not looking at the screen as we speak. Uh, they've they've um, drawn, to, uh, drawn to and won about three of the last 40, lost all the others. So the idea would be that the Birmingham game um, would have been highlighted, Birmingham in deep blue, to show that they were value. And obviously many ways to skin a cat. You could have backed um, Birmingham on the Asian handicap at half-time or just backed Birmingham at half-time. Or draw no bet. Or draw no bet. Or laid, laid Brentford at half-time. Um, interestingly, when um, Birmingham last played Brentford... When it was one nil at half time to Birmingham, the score was not surprisingly uh, one nil to Birmingham, um, and uh, it's just being factual. Historically, Brentford are absolutely awful when they're losing one nil half time away. If I remember rightly, we picked up on one of these at, at just at the end of last season. Gone, and it was Brentford as well, and it rolled out an easy winner. Uh, the Asian handicap way of looking at it is really good. Uh, it's you're right because the the, the even though they're the favourites and uh, they've still got to come back and score two goals generally away, uh, we, we find that the price mismatch is very common on a home dog uh, with a strong away favourite, but they've still got to score two goals to come back. So if you're laying uh, them, maybe even sometimes less than 3.0, uh, we've seen Man City odds on at 2-0 down, losing 3-1 to Norwich last season a very reliable strat and one that seems to be fast uh, making its way to earning itself uh, an alert on the Telegram channels. The crown jewels of trade on football. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I'm going to be doing a few more of these. I've currently got a zero in my SVA column for September. Uh, so, yeah, again, the way to spot them, as you pointed out, very clever. Uh, looking at the half-time results, you need to see looking for a home team uh, generally in dark blue, where you have a strong away favourite. Uh, there will you find and see the value, and a click on the stats tab, of course, will take you down to see how many times that away team have come back and won. And I think the general rule of thumb is we're looking at less than 10% is a good trade. Is that right? Sounds good. If I can just cut in about head-to-heads, which is really yeah. interesting for anyone listening, let's say you've got a sample of 10, 10 games where team A are playing have played t- team B historically and let's say they ended 3-4-4-3-2-5-4-2-3-0-1-3 etc as in a high goal production so naturally your instinct would be to back um, goals in, in the next game in the 11th game that they play and then you find out you, you check the result and you find out that the game was 0-0 or 1-0 and then you, you get inquisitive and you look at the 10 games and you find all 10 games had an early goal so that should make you think further and think, why did those games have a, a, um, have a goal production? Could it be that there was an early goal? And what makes you think that the game that you're about to bet, bet on in terms of goal production is going to have lots of goals? So that is the flaw in terms of people who use goal production models before the game started, because you don't know what variables are going to occur. So how are you going to know to... It's a not- 
high percentage what the gold production is going to be. So yeah, it's not something a lot of people would consider. They'll look at the result. They won't look at the times of the goals. And that kind of that advertises, again, the fact of GSA, when you have these early opening goals, especially two together, we often see those going over 3.5 or going over 2.5 for a, uh, an early, a very early goal, the away team or the home team. The, the Also, the other side of this is that uh, the way it differs uh, in trading. We talk about contra trading here because a lot of people will go for this it's happened seven times in a row, then it's got a great chance of happening eight. And I think personally that's wrong because in my mind, you're due one, you're due a low scoring game because you've far excelled the uh, percentage of games that go over 2.5. And if we take that across the board, it's what 50, 51% of games go over 2.5. So you get these teams on little runs. I can uh, give it, you a great example. And even then, the traders at Betfair aren't going to give you the value on it because they'll be looking at it thinking, ah, you know, we've got to go with the flow here because everyone's going to be punting on this being over 2.5. Now, this this is the difference. What I love about the game state application is that it, it shows you uh, your percentage or probability of this happening based on a huge amount of results, maybe sometimes hundreds, not the last eight or nine, which is seasonal stats. And we're talking about historical stats, and that essentially is the difference. And the, the other thing on top of that to add is that it gives you a price and you can instantly see if you have value in a trade. And that's one thing that's really important for me about when I first started using GameState, I could, I could see value straight away. I didn't have to even think about calculating it or worrying about it. Yeah, application, definitely. If I can just give you a quick example from what mm. you're saying, Everton went on a run of 16 BTT yeses in a row. So on the 17th, they were 49 <coughs> BTT yes. And the game ended nil-nil. Historically, I think Everton BTTS is about 46%. So it's just like flipping a coin, which people don't understand. And it just happened to be 16 heads in a row. But that doesn't mean there's no relationship between the 16 games and the 17th game, which happened to be against Swansea. And the game ended nil-nil. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, everything. Everybody, everybody who was nobody was on, on BTTS at 4 to 9 thinking they, they're buying buying money. So this is, again, this is the difference with uh, GSA, is that it looks at historically the time of the goal and its effect on the match, not uh, what a team has done against another team in terms of the scoreline. We, uh, we have a lot more information, obviously, when we're looking at, say, I don't know, Italy, Serie B, uh, an early away goal, 85% of the time results in going overs 2.5. Now, I don't think you can get that accuracy anywhere uh, just by looking at seasonal form. And again, uh, one of the benefits of using it is that you can go against the market because the market, often we see, as we talked about survival analysis, the market expects the favourite to come back and win and is very, very underpriced or overpriced, as it were, and showing a lot of value on uh, either the draw or the home team. Uh, hang on, because don't forget, if you're laying the home team at half-time in one of these SVAs, you're going to be getting the draw in your favour too. So this is, for me, why I like it so much and why it's so different. And I think it's a slow burner, but a matter of time before a lot more traders turn to this and uh, it's proof to them. Time and time again, as we do on Twitter, you know, I think it's very rare that I put out a losing 
tweet. I don't do them very often. I don't do tips, as you know. But that's about 10 to 20 seconds of research on a scoreline that quick to get something that's quite exciting going, well, 16 and 17 have gone over 2.5 or, you know, 60% the next goal has gone to dog. So when you combine that information with the odds you're getting, the thing I noticed uh, was that my ROI uh, was much greater and I was more confident in staying in trades rather than uh, hedging up. Someone made a very interesting point uh, about my analysis on Twitter or my perceived analysis. They said that I'm staring into the past and the irony is with uh, the game state application is that you're reacting to events that happen in play during a game. So you're actually trying to predict the future when events have actually occurred during the game um, in contrast to, let's say, a goal production um, strategy where you're backing goals um, before the game started on historical data in games, uh, in samples of games that have no relationship whatsoever. It's fair to say also, uh, we know if, from Newton's law that uh, uh, every reaction has an equal and opposite reaction. And I think that might be quite true about football matches. You know, you talk about the time of the opening goal, it's like the second goal, the time of the third goal, yeah, early on in the second half. And, you know, it's a, a team uh, is is the uh, home favourite. They go behind to an early shot goal. It's going to cause a reaction. And when we see the footprint in the past, we see how that's panned out. And sometimes it doesn't pan out in terms of uh, favourability or, or in favour of the um, home team. And that's where we pick up these little nuggets, I call them. So Betfair at the moment are running this campaign where they've got Clive Owen, uh, Sort of Bond esque type character explaining exchanges and stuff, and you've got Alex on uh, at the younger end of the market. I think that, that they do a bad job, not Clive Owen and Alex on. I think Betfair, I think that constantly uh, we are fobbed off with uh, a suspended markets, a lack of transparency. Uh, I've been stuck in a few games, unable to get out, and lost hundreds. And I get a 25 quid voucher and they are just completely admonished from any responsibility. Uh, we've talked for ages about having a challenger in the market, bet that, mm, okay, S market's back. But what's your thoughts on Betfair? I mean, if it wasn't for them, again, we probably wouldn't have the variety of matches and stuff. And I took the 2% option on the tax, as I call it, or the commission that Betfair offer. Right. And I plead the Fifth Amendment with Betfair because I was banned by Betfair in 2010, so I can't can't discuss Betfair. You can't discuss Betfair. You were banned. We could discuss why you were banned shortly. Uh, no, sadly. Right. Okay. I won't push you on that, but that's an interesting story. I might have to have that one move off you off off, off air. Uh, but you you were banned for being too good, being bad. I'm pressing you on this a little bit. You don't have to answer. You can't was, discuss it at all. I was banned in 2010, and I can't say anything more. But it's not an exciting story, but I'm happy to tell you off air. But I can't discuss right. it there. Okay, interesting. I will, I, will, I will press you on that one. I will keep it secret as well. Uh, so looking forward to the new season. It's been a, a bit of a rough 
week. I think to start off, as, as you expect, everyone's a bit sleepy still. Summer leagues weren't great. Then we have an international break. Then we have these five substitutions. We have VAR. And I think uh, Lord Dio, uh, if you're out there, Lord Dio, hello. Uh, I had a chat with him. and I said, I'm sick of these substitutions and uh, VAR, stop the clock. you know, Because we're only seeing about 60 minutes football played in a normal game. And it seems to be deteriorating down to 55 minutes. And of course, everyone's going to use these five substitutions to slow the game down right at the end. So my idea is stop the clock. Because we had this idea that the substitute is supposed to leave the pitch on the other side of the field. It hasn't happened. And, you know, jogging off now, it's a minute here, a minute there. Five substitutions, that's 10 minutes. Uh, VAR as well continues to be controversial. I think it just gets harder and harder for a trader. Yeah, that is a massively interesting point. Uh, A lot of pro traders have noted this and they're effectively time decaying at the end of the game they're backing unders just jumping in and out on mm. a basis so a lack of late goals which is quite ironic because a lot of our um strategies and systems that trade on football are built around uh expectation of late goals so that's something obviously to look, look at yeah unders in the market i like to play uh, but i can understand people doing that as the prices just really start to go out on uh, 75 and you've got injuries you know fawning faking injuries uh you know you've got drinks breaks now that take up a minute and a half to two minutes of a game so to me it gets more and more difficult and i said to lord dio on twitter i said i'm going to just focus in on the last 75 minutes again he made an interesting point which was okay fair enough but i'm enjoying this time being added on i'm seeing a lot more injury time and i agree with that but i'm saying not enough you know we should be doing seven or eight minutes at the moment not five four or five uh, so I think we're being shortchanged a little bit there. But for me at the moment, uh, whilst you have these unders people at that end of the market, I'm certainly searching for goal, or a goal or goals at that end of the market, but only on the basis of what I know from the game stat application on certain games. So you might have these people trading unders on, if they're watching the game, fine. Um, <clears throat> but for me, it's, it's not... Uh, not something I would like to do at that price. It's not a long-term strategy, but it might be during COVID. A COVID scalping strategy when there are no crowds and five substitutes and water. Yeah, it's not rocket science, is it, really? Uh, when you're wearing the clock down and there's no home crowd baying. You know, I think I read an interesting article the other day about um, there being less fouls awarded to home teams, free kicks awarded to home teams. Because you don't have that uh, atmosphere where the referee is, you know, the referee is going to take note of that. He's he's always going to be under pressure, and, and we've seen it before. But they they do sort of soften to the home side a bit more. So it's interesting, but also at the same time, we want to see those crowds back, um, even if it's you know thirty uh, percent. At the moment, it doesn't look likely, but I think it's it's having a dramatic effect, and hats it's off. just oh sorry, hats off. Oh. To- to web he uh, wrote did a blog and he said that uh, during lockdown uh, home teams uh, their win percentage would go down and that's exactly what happened yeah he did i think the in terms of away results uh, it uh, it went from 27% up to about to 41% briefly it didn't it didn't start for too long but initially you know that's almost what, 50% so start of the season everyone's excited and people 
can get quickly disillusioned. I think you know if you've, you you haven't been seeing much football for the last few months, so you've got to keep it tight. You know you've got to really on a Saturday cherry pick the low hanging fruit, and I think a lot of people as well they they get carried away after this happened to me. You over trade, common common thing that I that I used to do, uh, but with GSA. I'm able to dismiss games as much as as much as I am to get involved with them. That's the great thing about it as well. Tell me about the uh, Betfair bot automation, how it's working with trade on football. It's doing okay. Um, I've, I took a bit of time and shared some files with someone, and now I've got the halftime overs firing with two, my two drips. And so far, so good. There has been a little bit of a problem with some of the Betfair API stuff not having the match time on it. Uh, so... That was if the, if the game didn't have the match time, the, the bet wasn't firing. So I've deleted that rule from my trades, uh, and so far so good. And I've had a bit of a medal with a late goal uh, one that I'm still working on that fires basically on alert from sent from Train on Sports uh, certain conditions. Uh, so I'm just in the, in the process of doing that now. It's a great thing you can when eventually Train on Sports opens up the alerts to be more. Uh, interchangeable and, and more things added like specific amount of goal plus a specific score line and stuff like that then you would have created like a complete system effectively where you don't even need to trade you could just say well this is what i'm looking for go ahead and go out you know so uh and it, it, it takes a bit of getting used to it and getting your head around but so far so good and it's not spent all my money yet and uh, it keeps a great record. It keeps a record. You profit and loss of things. So yeah, good good stuff from Betfair bot it's manager. A little bit different from from what I'm used to, but uh, also far so good. And it's just baby steps and learning little bits of it as you go. But it just runs in the background. And I do expect, as I said, in six months' time, when our brilliant Stephen uh, Tech Guy has enabled uh, our platinum members, can just go in and say, I want this to happen, that to happen, and these conditions to be like that. And if they're like that, fire a bet. So looking forward to that. I was going to say, you could be the next Mel Santina trader because he was advocating backing late goals, but don't do podcasts that last two hours about risk-reward <laughs> ratios. They're completely and utter. I won't yeah, hopefully, hopefully most people haven't switched off by that. They're still listening. Um, is there anything you want to ask me or add before we go? Um, what, what's your background i've heard a rumor that your grandfather was a bookmaker is that true yeah it's true um he was he was an illegal bookmaker actually for for years even better uh, <laughs> he had a bit of a run-in once with his uh, wife-to-be rose my nan that he would he had a baker's round and this is how he got into bookmaking he would take bets off this this old girl every day you know it was like a five five horse accumulator and he used to take a shilling every day and not even put the bet on of course one day, one day it came in <laughs> and uh, he had to go back and ask for his engagement ring back. So um, it's a miracle that I'm here, really. Uh, but he, he then opened up a shop, a general kind of store shop, Sheps, it was called, and was taking bets under the counter from the local railway workers. And my dad was his runner. And before it was became licensed in 1967, he was he was arrested once, I think, and uh, charged with illegal bookmaking. And then we had the opportunity to actually be in at the start, you know, talking about being in at the start with the William Hills, the Labricks and all that, and having your own bookies. Uh, he asked my, my dad, uh, do you want to um, 
set one up, son. And he went, no, I'm fed up with being your runner and running around and I don't want to do that. So there, you know, it could have easily been me standing at Ascot with <laughs> knocking out as a bookie if, if he'd said yes and they'd set up a bookmaker. So um, we'll never know what happened. But I guess that's a little bit more background. I mean, I ended up working in media. Quite quite changed, but my dad went into journalism. But yeah, it could have been. I could have been a bookie. Not a bad job. I've never seen a poor one. My my background is not as exciting as yours. But my late uncle was chairman of Gillingham, so that's how I had a passion for football at a very young age. That's and, pretty up there. So why why do you support Margate? Uh, the other team in Kent. That's, that's a long story. Well, that that will be for another day. But I was going to say, um, back in two thousand and seven, I used to going to bookmakers on a daily basis, about 50 a day, doing what everyone knows as uh, shop harping, where you'd back um, the team on the fixed price coupon at six to four and lay off on, on the exchange at evens. I did yeah. that for a while. Um, <laughs> Got to wait that for a bit. That was way too stressful. And I used to get banned after like going to the shop after like one match and they say, don't come back again, you're banned. So banned from Betfair, banned from most bookies in Kent. I used to have to like go in, go into the shop in my nun's outfit. Even that didn't work. Then I used to have to send other people in. <laughs> you dressed up as your mum to go to the bookies. The nun. No, that's a joke. Sorry, but it was, right. it was quite funny though. I wouldn't put it past you. We we uh, yeah used to send various various people into the shop. They, uh, uh, Coral, my local corals had a picture of me. I was the ugly bloke with glasses. Don't. Don't don't allow him to have a bet, but you know. Yeah, it's like you're one of those wanted posters on the back of the book. Uh, yeah, they did. They did have um, <laughs> no Brett Betfair did, and they got sued. They had someone's a uh, picture of someone in the window. It's a true story. I don't think I've made that up. Let's take it down. They said, "Do not do not serve this guy." Well, you know, right. I don't think facial recognition. I think you you know you'd probably be identified quite quickly. I've not actually been in a betting shop for quite a few years. It's just uh, point, pointless now. All right. There we go. That's it. I think that's a wrap. Good stuff. Thanks for joining us. Uh, me on again one day. In a, it'd know. be nice to, get, nice to get a couple of people on here. Just have a sort of a cross chat about the industry and, and, and our feelings and our views about strategies. You get a few weeks into the season, see what we can do. So if you're listening to this and you want to sort of come on and talk about your trading and how you're doing, if you're starting trading, what do you think about game state application? What do you think about Johnny? Um, actually, no, don't do that. Um, give us a call uh, or give us a tweet. Actually, uh, you can find me at gold gypsy on Twitter and we'll hope to get a few more people on the show. So thanks for listening and we'll see you. We won't see you. We'll, uh, you'll hear from us for scenes. episode, it's on episode two. Scenes on toast. Now, a lot of people say, why do you say scenes? Well, scenes. I think it's just our version of boom, isn't it? it goes scenes. And scenes is well known. It's like, um, it's, it's like it's so people running around going, it's been a go scenes, scenes. He scored, you know, <laughs> that's, that's as simple as that. There's not, there's no other thing behind it except it's scenes on toast. But one final, th- I've got a confession. Well, I just like annoying people. I think that's what the issue is. I I really enjoy it. I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, you do. My wife will vouch for that. So, all right. Well, maybe get your wife on next time. That'd be fun. I think we should. <laughs>
Johnny Gracemark, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks, everyone, and see you again soon. No, we won't see you again soon. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and uh, look forward to our next podcast of Two Obscenes on Toast. Yeah.